Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Naima. Naima Spencer is a certified strategic intervention life coach. She specializes in personal development and growth. A graduate of Penn State, Naima has a MBA in biotech and healthcare industry. Ooh, that's fancy. We were just talking about fancy. That's I know, fancy. right? <laughs> <laughs> Having struggled with and overcome anxiety and lack of self-confidence, Naima utilizes her experiences and coaching skills to help clients identify and overcome their mental blocks to achieve their dream life. Naima was born and raised in Morocco. She believes in the mind-body connection and the power of our thoughts. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Megan. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, I would love to start off with your immigrant journey, like for you to tell us a little bit about that, because you mentioned that in... um your application. And we've only had a handful of people come on and talk about, um, you know, immigration. I mean, I'm not expecting like you to go into like the whole details (laughs) of what happened. Uh, But I think people don't realize that immigration journeys do not look like the stereotype that people have in their head. That's, that's a true statement. <laughs> um, so I was born and raised in Morocco, as you just mentioned. And, um, you know, growing up, my biggest dream was to one day move to the U.S. and just live here. But I, I try to go back sometimes and think when the dream was born. And the furthest I remember is when I was in middle school. You know, I started being exposed to Western music and movies and all of that. And I just started dreaming. I'm like, that's all I want to do. I want to go to America one day. That's where I want to live. And, um, and I, the dream became reality in 1998. So actually this month in November, I, um, I, celebrated my 22 years in the U.S. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel like it's been 22 years, but it, yeah, yeah. it's been 22 so now years. Now are so you far. a full-fledged citizen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I became a U.S. citizen in 2005, 2004, I think. I can't remember. Yeah. Gotcha. The last, um, the last person I had on here uh, that shared her immigration journey. She just became a U.S. citizen last year, and this was her first election that she was voting in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, sh- no. I lived through a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would I'm have familiar to now. So. <laughs> like, I've been around the block a couple of uh, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was it like growing up in Morocco? it's very different obviously from being in the states um you know i grew up in a small family my parents my brother three years older than than me and uh it was just the you know 
regular uh, childhood, you know, just going to school, playing in the streets, there's no iPads, no, <laughs> you know, no internet, no cell phones, none of that, no video games, uh, at least in, in, in my environment at that time. Right. Um, so it was just quiet, you know, my mom um, was at home all the time, my dad was the only one, you know, who worked and provided for the family. So very, very simple very simple uh, life that I, um, that I uh, lived, you know, growing up, or at least my childhood. Yeah, it was very simple. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely um, am, am old enough not to have grown up with iPads and cell phones and mm-hmm. all that. I mean, my, my family had one computer uh, which wasn't even hooked up to the internet half the time. <laughs> it was simply just for us to like do our, our schoolwork if we needed to and had a floppy disk drive. So that wow. is, you know, aging me a little bit. We did. <laughs> well, that's still a lot better than where I was. <laughs> right. There was no computers. I had my first computer in the U.S. when See? I was, I think uh, it was in 2005. That's when I bought my first computer. So yeah. that's yeah. when I owned my first computer. It was like 2004, 2005, because I, w- I was going to college at the time. Yeah. And uh, that was just the beginning where they actually required you to like do things you online. You have to have one. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes. You know, and have like Microsoft, you know, Word and Excel and all that wow. stuff. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And now, I mean, my kids are downstairs currently while we talk on their Google classroom calls. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is, that's amazing. I mean, and only people like us can actually look back and appreciate where we are right now. It's right. I mean, huge. if this happened when I was a kid, we just wouldn't have school at all. Like, there yeah. was no, you know, Google classroom or virtual or anything like that. So um, so where did the anxiety and lack of self-confidence start? Did that start be- like when you were younger or? It started basically when I, when I moved uh, to the States. So I, and just to backtrack a little bit, when I was in Morocco, I went to college there. I had a bachelor's in um, international business and, um, and I was able to find a job uh, in a bank. So I had really great job but I still remember the day I got the job offer I thought that's it it's my ticket to go to America you know <laughs> I didn't even care about that people would kill for a job like that but I didn't even care um, so I worked there for a couple of years and then I moved to the states in 1998 and um, you know I moved and everything is different and as much as I love coming here of course it's it was different Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have any family here. Uh, my brother came a little bit after after I moved. Um, but it's still, you know, mom and dad weren't with me. My friends, everything that I'm familiar with, right. you know, wasn't here. So um, I, I felt all of a sudden, you know, even though I was 24, but, you know, all of a sudden I'm, I'm on my own. And I started working in, in a store and, you know, all those dreams that I had in my head or, you know, how I imagined life would be here was completely, completely different. So I'm working, you know, six, six days a week, basically. And I was lucky to, you know, someone helped me to find this job. It was a store uh, owned by a Moroccan guy. 
And I started working there, you know, six days a week, making $250 um, a, a week. And my dream coming here was to actually go back to school and have mm-hmm. an MBA and all of that. So I started, you know, asking around and talking to people, how do I go back to school? How do I do this? And people were like, MBA? Are you crazy? Do you have any idea how much money it costs to go back to school here? And, you know, slowly, slowly, I started letting go of that dream. You know, slowly I started convincing myself that, no, I don't think I can do that. How, How can I possibly, you know, making $250 a week and go back to school and have an MBA, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, first year, and then I thought, okay, well, let's let, let that go for, for now. Let's focus on, you know, learning English first, you know, um, getting to know everything around me and feel familiar with everything. And I started, you know, just, I spent, next thing I know, it's been three years and I'm still in the same place. And I'm just wondering, okay, well, what's the way out? How do I get out of this? How do I improve this situation? I, this mm-hmm. is not why I came here for. And then I just started living in this fear and anxiety every day, thinking that, you know, I left my home, I left my family, and I came here to have this better life that I imagined in my head and how I saw myself living here. And now I'm, you know, I'm working this minimum wage job and I don't see a way out. I I just couldn't see it. So the anxiety of what am I going to do? When is this going to change? It was just very overwhelming. And I, I didn't think I, I can qualify for anything else. So I started thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe, you know, you talk to people that are in the same environment as you are and what do you get? You know, small dreams, obviously. And people like, oh, you should probably become a waitress. You know, you make a lot of money. So I started going to restaurants and, you know, applying to be a waitress and people like, do you have experience? You know, it's a no. So I started looking and looking and looking. And finally I found this place. And by the way, I was living in Philadelphia at this time, you know, in, a, in the suburbs of Philly. And uh, I found this diner that agreed to give me a job, but I have to train and they won't pay me. Uh, so I said, yes, I'll do it. And I trained for like a week and then they're like, okay, now you can, you know, have this job. And then I'm like, okay, well, one job in the morning is not going to cut it. So I have to find a different job. So I got me this uh, little old car and... I started venturing a little bit outside of my, you know, close environment. And I found another restaurant where I could work at night. And I just started working nonstop, seven days a week, like no day off. And I did that for like two years and, you know, just working morning and night and just saving as much money as I can, you know, hoping that one day I can, you know, make that dream happen and I can go back to school. But The thing is, even that job, yes, I started to save a little bit of money, but I never felt secure. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm living in anxiety every single day because what if, what if, if this happens, then I'm I'm done. If I can't, because I started feeling, you know, um, physically weak, you Mm -hmm. know, from working too much and I'm 
small, you know, so all the, the heavy lifting in restaurants and stuff started to, you know, physically impact me. And um, so I started thinking, okay, well, I, I can't keep doing this. Because sometimes I remember I would work a shift and then cross the street and go to a chiropractor and spend all the money that I right. just made in tips just so that I can, you know, relieve a little bit of the pain that, I, that I'm feeling. And um, so I thought, okay, well, maybe I can have, um, I can find a babysitting job. So I started transitioning and looking for a babysitting job. And it was just like this one thing after another, nothing showed me that or, or helped me feel that I can actually reach my goals or, you know, improve my situation. It was just same job, just different location or, you know, same minimum wage stuff. And, and, and I just felt so stuck that I couldn't figure out how to get out of it. Right. I think a lot of people don't realize unless you have been in that situation, right? Because I was in that situation too, you know, working 40 hours a week and a minimum wage job. And you just, you're one, you're so tired. And then two, you don't really have the time to do something on top of mm -hmm. that. And, you know, you get, it's like this cycle and people don't realize because they like to judge people who are, you know, living in, in poverty or, you know, living, you know, just barely making ends meet. And unless you've been there, you really don't realize how difficult it is to climb your way out of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very difficult and it's very hard because all you do, everything that you go through just confirms to you that there is no way out. Mm -hmm. You know, you leave this job and you go to one that's just similar. It's just a different location. And you go, okay, well, when am I going to get out of this? Mm -hmm. You know, and of course you ask shitty questions, you get shitty answers. So that's, <laughs> that's how it goes. Right. But it, it, you just feel trapped. And you as know, you like, mentioned, you had... And when you're in that situation, you tend to be surrounded by other people who are in the same situation. Of course. They don't see a way out. And so they're not encouraging you to see a way out. Exactly. Exactly. They're not. They, they, they can't, even though I had that dream and I saw myself doing different things, but slowly I started convincing myself that it, it's, it's not going to happen for me. Forget it. This is not me because I talk to those people and they go, you can't have a, a, a job in a company or, you know, corporate America here. You have a degree in, in Morocco. Nobody recognizes that here. So I thought, okay, well, at least I have um, the potential to go back to school. That's what I want to do. I have a dream to go back to school. So maybe that's what's going to help me um, get out of this situation. But then how do I go back to school when I don't have the money? Mm -hmm. and, and that even prevented me from even taking action, from even checking to see that, well, maybe there is a way. Because there was a way when I ended up doing it and my situation was still the same. But I made the decision to change and I started to change my life, basically. Where was that point? What was that pivot point? What did it for you? So the pivot point was um, when I was babysitting and um, I, I lost that job 
and I was, you know, I would deal with these, uh, um, they call them employment agencies, I think, to find me jobs. And I would, you know, I called this agency and I, I, I had to work. Like, it's not that I can afford to just be at home for a couple of months or anything like that. So I called this uh, agency and they're like, oh, well, I have something right now. I don't know if you'll be interested. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that, absolutely. And she's like, well, it's not a babysitting job. It's actually housekeeping. And I'm like, oh boy, this is just getting from, uh, you know, worse to terrible. And no offense to anybody doing that now, but uh, that's just not what I envisioned for myself. And I ended up taking it because I felt I didn't have a choice. And when I did that, I felt that I hit rock bottom, basically. And at that point, the pain of, of doing that and, and, staying, and staying in those situations was way greater than the pain of taking action. So I had to change at that point. I didn't have a choice. So that's when I went ahead and I uh, applied at Penn State and they ended up accepting me. And, uh, but even at that point, I remember coming to my apartment one day when I decided that's it. I mean, I was miserable, depressed. And I, and I was sitting, that's when I had the computer and I was sitting in my uh, kitchen and I was you know, I, I'm about to apply uh, to fill out the application for uh, Penn State and I'm looking at it and I put all the information there and then I get to the you know, bottom of it where to put the, the payment information and I'm looking at the application fee and it's $80 mm-hmm. and I'm just like, wow, it's $80. Should I gamble with $80 right now? Because $80 at that point was a lot of money right. to me not knowing if I'm going to be accepted. Should I, should I do this? And I thank God for giving me the strength to gamble with that $80 and hit the submit button. Because a month after that, I, I got the letter that I was accepted. And when I called them to figure out, you know, what to do, because I was thinking, well, I can have a loan. And they're like, yeah, you qualify for, you know, financial, um, um, assistance and for you can have a student loan and as long as you go full-time which is two classes a semester I'm like I'm in that's it and I actually was able to use some of the money to you know pay for my expenses and everything until I found my first professional job in America <laughs> yay I mean I I feel like that happens a lot um so Renee which was my my last interview that I mentioned her parents um actually her mom was a uh, a college teacher and her dad worked on computers and then they move here and her dad's working construction and her mom's doing housekeeping uh because I think a lot of people don't realize is it doesn't quite translate over. Yeah. Now, did they accept any of your credits from Morocco? No, that was actually the one condition that they had. You accepted if you just this accept to, you know, to take all the classes. They didn't exempt me from anything and ever all the, the, the credits, I think there were like 18 
I had to t to have 18, uh, 18 classes, which is uh, 54, uh, you know, credits. And I'm like, I don't care. I'll do it. Whatever. I do, I'll do it. And I, and I did. I started in, in March 2006 and I graduated in October 2008. And that was the happiest day of my life. Yeah. Now, was that, did you graduate with your MBA then? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. When I went to Penn State, that was for the MBA. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. But when I when I started work, when I started um, going to school, you know, I wasn't shy telling people, "Hey, I'm looking for a job." You know, anybody if you work, you know, comp your company is hiring. And then uh, this girl came to me. I think it was my third class, actually. Uh, this girl came to me. She's like, "Oh, my company is hiring." I mean, it's it's not a uh, great paying job, but you know, you have benefits and health insurance. I'm like, yeah, what, what do I do? And she's like, well, just give me your resume and, you know, I'll submit it. And I gave her my resume. She submitted it. I had two interviews with them and they, uh, they offered me a job. Well, and it, it got your foot in the door. Absolutely. Experience to absolutely. Yeah. And from there, it's it, my entire life changed. My entire life changed. Yeah. I feel like sometimes people are, get like really in their heads and get really, really picky, you know, and I'm like, you got you, you have to work up to that experience, right? Like your first job in your field may not, or the field you want to go into may not be what you want at first, but. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like they say, the only job where you start at the top is digging a hole, you know, just. You can start small. If you have a chance to start big, by all means, go for right. it, you know, <laughs> but not trying to discourage anyone from doing that. But in my case, that was a huge accomplishment for me, you know, and after that, it, it was, it was just second nature, you know? Yeah. So where we talked about the pivot point for your mindset, where did the anxiety and lack of self-confidence, when did that start to change? It started to change when I started to work on what's up here, the mindset. When I started working on myself, that's when things started to change. And um, it started, I think it was around 2003, 2004. Um, a friend of mine told me about this book about the law of attraction. He's like, hey, have you heard of the law of attraction? I'm like, what's that? And it's like, oh, there's this wonderful book. You have to read it. And, uh, and I got the book and, you know, I started reading, I think it's called, uh, uh, Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting. I think it was very popular at that time. And uh, it, it's very simple concept, the way she explains it. And, and, I, and I started reading and I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's true. You do attract these things to, to yourself, you know, and that's what started changing me because all those years I, I feeling stuck. I was angry every day. Um, I felt that nobody's given me a chance. Um, I, I, I always pointed the finger outwards, you know, not me, not my thinking. No, it's, it's all the circumstances around me that are not helping me to achieve what I want, 
instead of going within, I was blaming everything around me. So I was just having a lot of frustration and anger literally every single day for why is my life going like this? This is not what I envisioned for myself, you know? And, and there is no way out when you talk to yourself like that. So it started to change basically when I started to realize that I'm responsible for what I create in my life. I, I am the creator of my life. And that's the reason why, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but that's the reason why I, I'm, I do what I do right now. That's the reason why I decided to become a life coach and specialize in mindset because everything is, is mindset. You know, they say, um, you know, business is 80% mindset, 20% strategy. And it's true for everything in our lives. I feel like mindset this year is just not where people want or need it to be. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. It's, it's not. But you, if you keep focusing on the environment, it won't be. There will always be something that's not working right, that's, that, that, that doesn't please you. But it has nothing to do with the way you feel. And, and the day I started realizing that the resistance in me just didn't want to accept it, you know, no, I'm, I'm upset because you make me upset or, you know, my son did this or my husband did this or my coworker did this, but it's not true. It's my interpretation of the experience of what happened. And I'm the only one responsible for interpreting that experience you know everyone now with covid you have people who are going under and at the same time you have people who are thriving in the same economy why because they're in they're looking at the experience differently and i think that has a lot to do with when covid happened some businesses were like how can i adapt to covid well others were like oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything. I've seen this with restaurants around here. Restaurants that have to shut down were the ones that when COVID hit and everything was shutting down, they didn't, they didn't move to takeout. They didn't move to online ordering. They didn't do that sort of thing or delivery where the ones that are doing great now, that's what they were doing. They were immediate like switch within a week. They were able to pivot. Absolutely. And we heard so many, so many stories about restaurants who are thriving and not just restaurants, a lot of other businesses. Yes, there are businesses that maybe they just can't do anything, but for the majority, it, it, it's, it's mindset. It's how you look at it. You know, you're either going to thrive or you're just going to give up and go, well, it's COVID. I'm done. I'm going under. And someone else, no, it's COVID. How can I adapt? How can I change with what's happening in, in the world right now? How can I do it? Yeah, I live in Connecticut and bars are not allowed to be open. Mm-hmm. But if you serve food, you can be open. So you saw a bunch of bars that never served food before, but we're like, all right, well, now we're going to pivot and we're going to serve food too so we can stay open. There you go. What's the plan? What can I do to serve uh, food? And they find a plan and they start, you know, acting on it. 
while right. someone else is going to go, oh, well, we don't serve food. Well, then we're done. We can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. I feel like um, a lot of people, a lot of businesses got very creative and that when this is all over, hopefully, you know, end of next year. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> In the United States, at least. Yeah. Um, that uh, we will have a new way of doing business. Like, I don't think these creative ways that people have come up with, it's going to go away. I think now we'll have a new way of doing things, you know, to where people uh, that are able to do their job virtually, maybe they don't do it all virtually after this is over, but maybe it's like, oh, my kid's sick. So can I come in virtually today? You know, that sort of thing where you don't actually have to lose, you know, time with your, your employees. They can just manage in a different way. Yeah. I, I really think that uh, COVID is changing the world forever. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things, we, we would never go back to the way we were before. A lot of companies are realizing, you know, why am I paying millions of dollars in rent, you know, in San Francisco when people were doing just great working uh, from home. Right. You know, because sometimes working from home and it happened to me, you know, you're more productive than sometimes than when you're in the office. Yeah. And, and companies are realizing that now. And it, it's just it's shifting. And if we don't shift with it, we're, we're stuck. Right. So what are um, some of the tips that you have for people? What are the, some of the things that you have learned over time that you would want to impart to other people so they can get to that point to, you know, change their mindset? Yeah. So what I, like I said, the reason why I'm doing what I'm, what I do now is because I just, love working with people and feeling that I have an impact in changing them, changing their lives, changing the way they, they feel every day, you know? And um, so all those years, yes, it started with me being introduced to the law of attraction. And then I started digging more and more. And then I started getting interested in the power of the mind, the subconscious, our thoughts and all of that. And, um, and, and, and my life, you know, changed completely because now I'm no longer blaming, you know, I'm going within, I'm taking responsibility for for my life, for what I'm creating. And then when I started um, searching and studying and all of that, I, I realized that, you know, we all have beliefs, mm-hmm. a set of beliefs. And sometimes most of them are limiting beliefs. And that's what controls our, our lives because those beliefs or those limiting beliefs, that's what produces our thoughts. And our thoughts produce, are responsible for the way we feel. And the way we feel is basically what's behind, you know, you taking action or not taking action. And that's how you create the results in your life. So I'm a firm believer of our beliefs the limited ones, at least, you know, they control um, our results. So to, to, to help 
um, the people that I work with, well, first we just need to figure out what those beliefs are. Mm -hmm. And the first step is to start building that awareness. You know, what am I thinking? You know, if, if, if you live in your head more than you're in the present, it's, we're on autopilot most of the time. You know, you drive from point A to point B and sometimes you get there and you don't even remember how you got there because the whole time you're just living in your head, just consumed by the thoughts, you know, going on. Sometimes we're conscious of them, sometimes we're not. And uh, the moment we start realizing what those thoughts are and we start identifying what those beliefs are, then we can start doing the work then we can start breaking those patterns. Then we can start fixing those limiting beliefs, you know, um, changing the patterns because it's all patterns. It's all habits of thinking. You know, we wake up and if you notice the same thing, most of the stuff that we do today, we'll do it the next day. The way we get out of bed, the way we brush our teeth, the way we go from the bed to the bathroom, to the closet, to the kitchen. It, it, it's, very were creatures of habit, you know? Right. So the moment we start breaking those patterns and then start replacing them with empowering beliefs because you break something, you have to replace it. Otherwise, you're just going to go back to the old way of thinking. We start building new beliefs. That's when we start taking different actions and we start generating different results in our lives. So that's my first advice to to anyone listening just start building the awareness what are you thinking what are the thoughts that you become aware of they're just coming back over and over and over if i'm here and i just want to quit smoking what am i telling myself if i want to lose weight what am i telling myself if i want to have a good relationship what am i telling myself we sometimes the thoughts are so powerful that we identify with them. They don't seem like it's just a thought. It it becomes us. You know, I don't say I'm 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 just there is this thought and I'm feeling angry. No, I just go, I'm angry. But what's behind that anger? It's a thought that I'm thinking, whatever it is, because you and I can look at or go through the same situation and think of it differently and have separate experiences because of the way you look at it and because of the way I'm going to look at it. And you may be so happy. I may be so angry. So awareness is the first step in my opinion. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize that. So I always say like toxic people, this is just an example. Toxic people aren't toxic to everyone. Right. So, um, you might have a different relationship with somebody than I would have. And we see things differently because it's our experience. It's our thoughts. It's the things that we've, we've gone through personally that help dictate that. Uh, and I think a lot of times people are like, well, I feel this way. You should feel this way too. But that's not how that works. Everybody's different. Yeah. Everyone, you, you feel the way you interpret what you're going through, period. It, it's, and, and you interpret that based on the beliefs you have, based on everything, your environment, how you grow up, what you believe, what you think, your values, everything. 
that's how you interpret things. And, and, and it's just amazing how, you know, sometimes we just look at someone doing something and we just go automatically to judgment and blame and whatever. You know, I, I have no idea how you lived your entire life. I have no idea what you've been through. You know, who am I to judge you? Your experiences are not mine. Why can I, why should I ask you to be like me or to see a certain situation like I do? You know, even with people you live with and they have their own experiences. You, you, you can't, you know, ask or demand of people to see things the way you, you, you see them. No, I completely agree. I think, uh, I, I, I think people uh, forget there's is three sides to every story. There's absolutely your side and their side, and then the truth that lies mm-hmm. in between. Because our our experiences and our beliefs and our perceptions and all of those things play into this. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we can we can't control other people. We can't control what they do. They say you know, their own, their own individuals, but we can control us. Right. Absolutely. Instead of like trying to mold them how we want the, the way you're saying is we shouldn't even try. Like we should just focus on us, what's going on with us and our situation. Absolutely. Everything begins with us. I love uh, this quote that Wayne Dyer said, he said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm-hmm. And it is so true, Megan. It is so true. You know, it, it's, it's something that I experienced in my own life. You know, it, it, and the reason why, it's because when I'm looking at something and I'm focused on it, that's where my energy goes. And where focus goes, energy flows. Mm-hmm. And that's how I start generating more of the same. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of, uh, you know, the experiment when people talk about, oh, when you decide to, of, on a certain type of car or color that you want to buy, all of a sudden you start See seeing everywhere. those cars everywhere. Yeah. It, it's not because all of a sudden you have millions of those cars around you. It's because now your focus is on that. And your brain is going to help you see more of that because that's, you know, they call it the RES, the uh, reticular articulating system. That's, that's the part of the brain that filters all the information that's going in. And that's when our focus helps us see what's important around us because if you start trying to process everything that's going on around you, you go crazy. So we only see the things that we focused on. If I focused on, um, you know, my husband is lazy and he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. That's all I'm going to see. Mm-hmm. That's where my energy is going. That's what I'm focused on. That's what I'm going to see. I ha- my brain has no choice but to show me evidence, you know, that the, the universe in general, has no choice but to show you evidence of what you're focused on. And that's where that comes from. So the moment we start changing those thoughts, meaning we start working within, not trying to change what's around us, because you'll spend your entire life trying to do that and you won't succeed. 
you know, but when we begin by changing ourselves, by improving ourselves, that's when the change starts to begin to, to, to show in our lives. That's when we start having different experiences. That's when we start attracting the kind of experiences that we want in our lives. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I feel like, you know, like you said, where you're focusing, that's, that's where all the energy is going. And, <laughs> and I see too, like, I, you know, when you uh, look for something, I always say, I'm like, man, I didn't know so many people owned a Tesla because I want a <laughs> Tesla in like a couple of years. And I'm like, yeah. oh, so many people don't actually, it's not like more people own a Tesla. It's actually yeah. just because that's the thing that I've been like paying attention to. Exactly. Um, so as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? I would love for anyone and everyone listening, anyone with a dream to just know that it's possible because every time we have, we think of a goal and we want to achieve something, there is that tiny little voice that starts bringing you all the reasons why you shouldn't do what you want to do, all the things why this will not happen. And if we just stop that voice for a second and just practice it's possible. That's all I need to think right now. If I'm not at that point where I'm 100% believe in myself and my abilities to do whatever I want to do, at least I just want to start thinking it's possible and building the momentum that it's, it's possible to get rid of the little noise up there that's telling you it can't happen and just right. focus on that. Yeah, I was actually listening to a podcast over the weekend and they said, what's that first step? What's that, what's that first step that you, you can take? Uh, that um, anything, any, any, any little bit is better than trying to be perfect about it, right? Like if doing something is better than doing nothing at all. Exactly, exactly. Just try, just start with something. And my biggest advice don't ask how. Don't ask how I'm going to do this. Because you ask how, you'll be paralyzed. You'll never take a chance because you have no data. You ask your brain how, your brain has no data to bring to you on how because you've never done that. So you ask how, your brain goes, I don't know. And then you, you, you can stay stuck in the cycle of, I don't know. Just ask, what, what's, what's the one small step that I can take today towards my goal. Who can I talk to? Like, like I mentioned before, you know, um, intelligent questions, you get intelligent answers, shitty questions, we get shitty answers, unfortunately. And, and, and just start building that momentum. Who can I talk to? Um, where can I look for this information? And that's something that your brain can answer because you've done it before. But if something brand new and you have no idea how to do it, you ask how and, and, and you're done. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Megan. It was my pleasure. Thank you. thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.